Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to NJS Bay's podcast program, Conversations on New Jersey Education. This is a special school law today program. Uh, we'll be discussing some uh, recent ruling in uh, uh, appellate court on about the rights notice, and we'll talk a little bit more in detail about that in a, a few minutes. Uh, my name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host. If you want to participate, you can 347-989-8904 and just press 1, and we're monitoring the the switchboard and Mike will get your question and I'll put you up or you can just type the question in um, the chat room and I'll pass it on to our guest. Our guest today is a, an attorney uh, up in North Jersey, Steve in Fogarty. Uh, welcome, Steve. Uh, good morning, Ray. Nice to be with you this morning. Good to be. Uh, just briefly uh, give us a background yourself. I know you've been in school law for a while and uh, where your office is. Yeah, of course. Uh, actually, we, I, I have been uh, representing school districts for a while, and on Friday morning it seems uh, uh, much longer than it actually is. But uh, <laughs> uh, I've been doing this for about 30 years, and uh, our firm uh, is located up in Bergen County, but it's a statewide practice. Uh, um, and uh, we represent uh, about 60 school districts, um, uh, mostly public school districts, but we also represent a number of private schools for the handicapped. Uh, state-approved schools, and um, we represent school districts from uh, as north as Bergen County and uh, as uh, as far south as Princeton. Uh, see, let's get to the topic of the, the rice notice, the, the recent changes. Uh, but before we do that, because if you would have asked me or m- probably a lot of attorneys, the rules haven't changed that much about a rice notice until recently. But what, basically, what is the rice notice and what's the the reasoning behind it? So for for really a very long time, uh, um, uh, we have interpreted a rice notice, obviously derives from uh, uh, an appellate division decision uh, actually itself involving Union County Regional High School uh, back in 1977, but really that case interpreted a provision uh, contained uh, in the exceptions to the Open Public Meetings Act that allows boards of education to go into closed session to discuss certain topics, and in, in this case, uh, relevant to a rice notice to discuss personnel matters in closed session. Uh, the statute itself, uh, the exception to the Open Public Meetings Act, actually contains uh, that requirement that says that if you're going to go into executive session to discuss personnel matters, that you have, you have the right to do that, provided that you have provided notice uh, to the affected employees that you are going to be discussing them and essentially giving them the right to waive their privacy rights. So the provision in the statute is really an individual privacy right uh, that uh, that the employee is uh, that that is that is specific to the employee that is going to be discussed. Um, the purpose of the rights notice is to tell the employee that they have the right to waive their privacy rights and to require that the discussion be held in public. What it means then is that the employee has the ability to be present uh, at a public session of the board where that discussion is going to take place. Often misunderstood is that it means that the employee is entitled to a hearing or is entitled to uh, an interactive conversation with the board at that meeting. It doesn't mean that. It simply means that the discussion cannot be held in private, that the board members must have the discussion with regard to that employee in public. 
Um, so it, it is that provision in the Open Public Meetings Act exception. And the first time that the courts took a look at that was in the, uh, was in the Rice versus uh, Union County Regional High School case. And so it has been, uh, uh, it is now so-called the Rice Notice. Uh, but, uh, but actually that, uh, that provision existed long before the Rice decision was decided. Okay. Um, the other thing um, that I want – so basically for 40 years, there has been uh, – there hasn't been much change in, in, in this. Recently, well, there hasn't, there universe, hasn't, there, there can, hasn't been go. much change really until this, this Kane Federation of Teachers case. I mean, what, what was happening, Ray, is this, that Rice Notice was given to an employee if there was going to be a discussion – that potentially would result in an adverse consequence to the employee. And the rice notice was only given if the board was going to have that discussion in public, uh, in, in, in executive session. If they were going to go into closed session, then the rice notice was given to the employee. And so what I mean by that is that if the board had no intention of having an executive discussion, had no intention of exercising the exception under the Open Public Meetings Act, the rice notice wasn't given. I mean, right. as a practical matter, the rice notice was given if you were going to terminate an employee, if you were going to transfer an employee, if you were going to consider disciplinary action uh, with regard to an employee, something that had adverse consequences, the rice notice would be given. It was not given historically, has not been given up until this Kane Federation of Teachers case uh, for things like uh, requests for salary guide advancement, tuition reimbursement, uh, uh, professional development attendance, workshops. Um, so this is, I mean, this has really been a sea change in terms of when a rice notice is actually provided. I mean, historically, it was only given to an employee if there was going to be an adverse consequence to the employee. That's right. If action was really for that employee. Now, first of all, let's, let's could you ex walk us briefly through what the case was in the Kane University? Uh, you know, what was the uh, the issue? Sure. Um, in in the uh, in, in the Kane Federation of Teachers case, there were there were actually two issues. We're talking about the Rice Notice, but the court actually addressed mm -hmm. also the requirement that minutes be made promptly available. But I want to deal with the issue at hand, and that's the Rice Notice issue. So in, in the Kane Federation case, which, which, is, which is a university, so you know, different from what we typically deal with with, with, with school districts, but, uh, the, but the court made it clear uh, that uh, uh, Kane University is a publicly funded university, and so uh, they uh, um, are required to comply with the Open Public Meetings Act, which is why this case, even though it involved a university, uh, has uh, statewide implications because it affects any public body. So school right. districts, municipalities, uh, authorities, uh, agencies, it affects any public body and, and affects how they conduct their business. But getting back, getting back to the Kane case, essentially what happened there with regard to non-tenured university professors is that uh, they had what was akin to uh, a personnel committee. I mean, boards of education uh, that have standing committees uh, typically have personnel committees, and in this case, uh, Kane University had a personnel committee, and uh, the committee uh, operated 
uh, in conjunction with the president of the university, and the president of the university made his recommendations as to those uh, non-tenured professors who would be uh, appointed, or, uh, who would be appointed or not reappointed. So, if we were going to analogize that to school districts. It would be a personnel committee listening to the superintendent of schools, perhaps with regard to non-tenured employees uh, or non-certificated employees who were going to be subject to non-renewal. In any event, in, in the Kane Federation, uh, uh, in the Kane University case, uh, those decisions were made by that committee of, of the university, um, and uh, the affected uh, uh, non-tenured professors uh, were not given uh, rice notice. I think it's also important to point out that 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 the attorneys for the uh, for the Federation of Teachers for the union had requested that they be given rice notices, and that didn't happen. Um, suffice it to say that uh, they then con uh, convened a, a public uh, a meeting of the board of trustees, and the recommendation was made by their personnel committee uh, um, um, that a certain number of uh, non-tenured professors. Uh, would not be reappointed, uh, in, uh, and, and ultimately uh, the Board of Trustees accepted that recommendation. It's important, to, it's important to point out that the Board of Trustees did not go into closed session, so there was no private meeting of the Board to discuss the recommendations of that uh, personnel committee, but rather the Board of Trustees acting publicly as a body accepted the recommendation at that public meeting and uh, ultimately made a decision not to renew those employees. And so the, uh, uh, the, the union and uh, uh, actually using one of the uh, employees who happened to be a professor of nursing um, used one of those individuals to challenge the action of the board and challenge the action of the board on the basis that her privacy that her her individual privacy rights uh, had been violated, and they were seeking to void the action of the board of trustees. Now, what happened in this case? Uh, what, what happened in this case for the first time is that the uh, is that the court not only uh, the the court um, was not satisfied that because there was no executive session discussion that rice notice wasn't required because they actually made a determination that the underlying policy reasons behind the Open Public Meetings Act required that rice notice be issued regardless of whether or not the Board of Trustees anticipated a closed session discussion at the outset. And the court's mm. reasoning was this. The court's reasoning was that the, the members of the Board of Trustees should not be disenfranchised, should not be denied the opportunity to have a discussion about any one of those non-tenured professors who was being recommended for non-reappointment if indeed at the public session they decided that they had questions relative to those recommendations. And the court was also concerned with what they saw as a lack of transparency because it appeared that by not having an executive discussion, by not providing rice notices with regard to the, effective, the affected uh, uh, non-tenured uh, professors, that it appeared that there was, they were simply rubber stamping the recommendations of the mm -hmm. president and the personnel committee. So um, unfortunately, I think that, that the, the, the facts in this case 
uh, ultimately resulted in a rather sweeping decision that basically says that any personnel decision that's placed on the board's agenda requires that you give rice notice to any employee who is affected by that personnel decision. So I think, Ray, what you can see is that clearly we have moved away from what we have historically believed to be the case, which is that those notices would only be given to employees if, one, there was going to be an adverse consequence, and two, we were going to, the board was going to exercise its right to go into closed executive session to discuss those employees. Clearly now, every personnel action presented on a board's public agenda requires that the employee who's affected by that decision be given a rice notice. Now, there are a couple of things as I'm listening to this, because I think your analogy is correct. It, the superintendent to either approve or dis, uh, you know, disagree with the superintendent's recommendation. But in this case, the, the main body, if it was a board, did not go into a closed session to discuss those recommendations. They just accepted the recommendations of the committee without discussion in closed session. That's that correct. correct, and I think, and, and yeah. I think you know, when we when we talk about the uh, the uh, the Rice versus uh, Union County Regional High School, you know, the the original Rice notice case. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's important to point out that the distinction there is that uh, those employees uh, uh, were not provided Rice notice, and they went into executive session. Mm -hmm. So, so there was the violation. They went into executive session without providing Rice notice to those employees. That has to be distinguished from the Kane University uh, Board of Trustees who took public action accepting a recommendation but never went into executive session, never went into closed okay. session. I do have a question in the chat room, and I, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'll, I'm not the attorney. Because uh, you, uh, it, it's pretty much any action that the board might take. The board member wants to know, does the, the new ruling require Board of Ed to rice employees who are retiring or leaving the district on their own uh, or employees who are going out on FMLA? Regrettably, the answer to that right now is yes. And, and the reason I say that is this. The, 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 the language in the court's decision is that rice notices have to be provided in advance of any meeting at which a personnel decision may occur. That's what it says, Ray. Now, mm -hmm. a personnel decision includes an employee who is resigning or retiring. It includes an employee who is requesting an FMLA leave. I think what those questions point up, and my answer points up, is the difficulty that public bodies have with this decision. Um, for, because, we, we, because it would be very easy to make the argument that someone who is requesting FMLA leave is entitled to that leave under federal law. And so that's the type of personnel action which we would typically say that, 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 that the action of the board is really almost perfunctory, almost, almost ministerial, because there's no potential, there's not even any remote likelihood that there could be an adverse consequence. But, but in answer to the question directly, based on the court's decision uh, in Kane in, uh, in in, in Federation, those employees that would be affected by the FMLA leave request 
those employees that are resigning or retiring um, must be given a rice notice. Well, uh, before I – there's a couple other questions that are popping up in my uh, 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 chat room. Um, this is – so the, the number of rice notices that a district uh, will be sending out um, is – well, I, 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 more than double. I mean, it's going to be – that's a lot of rice notices for a lot of people. And uh, a rice notice can really make people worry when they get a, a notice that they're going to be in disgust. So – you know, is there a way that you can handle that and that there's, I don't want to say two different type of rice notices, but one, you know, because a standard rice notice for something that is perfunctory might be, is different than a rice notice for moving someone from one building to another. So is there a way that boards can deal with that? Well, I think the answer to that, I, I, first of all, I think you're absolutely right. I think when an employee receives a rice notice, um, it is unsettling. Um, and it's unsettling because historically receiving a rice notice often, oft, often meant that there was going to be a discussion about whether your employment continued, uh, something adverse, something that would seriously impact an employee's terms and conditions of employment. So it is a very unsettling experience. So as a result of this decision, as soon as the, uh, uh, as soon as, uh, we, as soon as the decision was issued and we notified boards of education of what the new requirements were, we also said that, that what needs to happen, that, that what we're, we're suggesting should happen, is that employees should be given, um, uh, should be notified that there has been a recent decision by the appellate division, that it changes uh, the notification requirements for employees, that you may be receiving a rice notice over the course of the year, that that rice notice does not mean that uh, your employment uh, is uh, uh, that that, that the, there's some uh, consequence uh, with regard to your employment. Uh, that it may mean that you have made a request. Uh, it may mean that the board is considering granting you uh, a leave. That you are uh, requesting tuition reimbursement. So we assisted our clients in any event with drafting a, a, a kind of omnibus letter that was sent out to every employee. And we're suggesting that that happen at the beginning of each school year, um, telling the employees that receiving a rice notice should not be viewed by them as something which is, um, uh, with, which, which is um, uh, potentially uh, placing their employment in jeopardy. Uh, but is simply notification that there's going to be something coming forward on the board's personnel agenda that affects them. And so we yeah, have done uh, that. I, I think many school districts have, uh, many districts have sent out those letters, Ray, and I think that it has had a calming effect. They've met with their local union presidents, uh, reviewed the requirements so that uh, we do not generate any, any, any unnecessary anxiety among the staff. Yeah, uh, it is good to be proactive. I have a couple other questions. Uh, I think people, they think of all the issues uh, that come up because personnel, the perfunctory things are always being discussed. Um, one person wanted to know, uh, do they have to write someone for out-of-district workshops? Uh, or more importantly, uh, how is a rice notice given? Does it need to be mailed? Uh, is it inter-office? What's Is there requirements on that? So in terms of uh, in, in, in terms of 
the, the rice notice requirement, and that's something also that everybody is now dealing with because, as you say, we're sending out a lot more rice notices. And can you imagine? I mean, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, when we're talking about, you know, a school district with two or three schools, uh, you know, they feel that this is kind of, they, they now feel that this is very onerous. Imagine uh, when we're talking about the Camden uh, City School District or the Newark School District or the Trenton School District and the number of personnel matters that are now coming to their agendas. Um, and then you begin to think of really how overwhelming this process can be. But in any event, you know, um, in, terms, in terms of the service of rice notice, uh, the employee must be served. So how we accomplish that, um, uh, I, th I, think we, I, I think that we now have the ability, and th this is being affectionately coined as e-rice, uh, and <laughs> whether we can actually send out these rice notices um, uh, uh, electronically, and I think the answer to that is yes, provided that we can ensure that the notice has been received. So we have to make sure that, our, uh, that we have the capacity either to have the recipient acknowledge it or at the very least be able to determine that they've opened it and read it. And what I'm also suggesting um, to, to the school districts is that in that notice that they send out to the employees at the beginning, that they sent out at the beginning of this year, that they tell the employees that they will be receiving uh, notices electronically, who they will be receiving them from, and telling them that if they do receive an electronic notice from the business administrator or the uh, human resources director, that they need to open that and read it. Okay, so, um, I yes, I think that there are other ways that we can serve employees without having to send it by certified mail or uh, hand delivery. Um, and I think that most districts are now um, uh, doing it electronically, Ray. Um, and they're notifying the employees that that is going to be the mode of transmission. Yeah, because if you're doing certified, it may not have been a big deal if it was only a few employees, uh, but if it's hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, I guess, uh, that could get a, a little bit costly and time-consuming. Um, no question. I just think we need to have a mechanism in place to show that the employee was served. Right. Uh, before I go on, uh, if anyone wants to call in and ask a question verbally, uh, dial 1-347-989-8904 and press 1, and Mike will uh, just get your question and uh, put you through. Uh, there was uh, one other question that came up, and uh, it was about field trips. Um, if uh, Is a rice notice required for staff members who are identified on the agenda of going on a field trip or professional development workshop? Well, we did professional development, but uh, do they have to be riced on that, too, if they're going to be the chaperone on a field trip? My 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 opinion my opinion would be that that would push the envelope even beyond what the court has said in uh, in Kane Federation. So I would say that teachers who are being identified, because many boards have policies with regard to uh, out of district field trips uh, that require board approval, um, and uh, statutorily that's required as well. So um, those teachers that are being identified as the chaperones, I think that 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 that. You know that would go beyond even the reach of this decision, in my opinion. But right. clearly, uh, the, the professional development, the answer is yes, um, because arguably, I mean, if 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 you look at the uh, the rationale, uh, uh, the the court's rationale in in uh, in Kane, um, uh, somebody who is applying for uh, for approval for professional development 
arguably there could be a, a member of the board uh, that uh, wants to ask questions about that and uh, may, uh, in fact, uh, not be supportive of it for whatever reason. Uh, the argument, the way the, the way the argument is advanced uh, by the court in Kane is that that board member shouldn't be disenfranchised. He should not be uh, denied the opportunity to have that conversation because the employee was not rice noticed. It should not be a situation where the board says, well, wait a minute, if you want to talk about that employee, we're going to have to, we're, we're, we're going to have to remove this from the agenda until next month because the employee has to be rice noticed. So that's okay. the rationale of the court. I have a couple other questions. And actually, you mentioned earlier, and if we have time, I do want to just – the court actually also uh, made some comments on, about minutes, which I want to get to uh, later on. Um, one of the things is uh, this court made a ruling, so the boards have to uh, abide by it like the minute this ruling came out until when, if ever. So, yes, it's um, – first of all, it's a um, – it's a published opinion of the appellate division, so it's precedential, and it's statewide precedential. It is for uh, it is the the uh, it is the it, it is the present state of the law, and the only way that that will they the only way that that will change is if the Supreme Court um, decides first to grant certification, and a petition for certification uh, has been filed uh, by Kane University. Uh, that is now pending before the New Jersey Supreme Court. So assuming that they grant certification, uh, if, the court, um, um, if, if, if the court changes, modifies this decision in any way, I mean, arguably the court could affirm, modify, or reverse this decision. If the court modifies or reverses this decision, then that will become the, uh, the, then, um, uh, uh, the then current state of the law. But in, unless and until that happens, this case is the prevailing law. All right. Uh, and there, one of the reasons we brought this up is because May is a time when there's a lot of personnel decisions made uh, next month. Um, I, I do want to just touch on – I didn't want to – you know, I don't want to spend the whole – obviously. But the court made some comments about minutes too, uh, which I think the board should be a, a aware of as well. Uh, in this decision, uh, could you just briefly go over that? Sure. There, 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 there were two issues in Kane, and the first was the publication of uh, uh, the minutes, and the second was uh, uh, the, the the rice notice that we've been talking about. Um, the first issue uh, was that they addressed was um, making minutes uh, uh, available uh, uh, to the public, and um, they looked at the requirements of. Uh, the, the Open Public Meetings Act, and um, uh, essentially had to interpret, I think, probably uh, for, the, uh, for the first time, what promptly available means. Now, up until this case, you know, we have been, uh, I think most school districts have, ha have been abiding by the um, guidance that was given to us back in uh, 1986 in a case out of uh, the Matawan School District. And, and, and in that case, uh, the, the guidance from the court, although it was the law division, it's important to point that out, it was a trial court, not the appellate division. Mm -hmm. But in that case, the court said that those that minutes should be made available within two weeks after a regular meeting. Um, now, in this case, um, the, the problem with 
the availability of the minutes is that the Board of Trustees for Kane University, uh, they only met five times a year. And so what was happening, because they only met five times a year, and there was a gap of two or three months be between those meetings, uh, the minutes of each of those meetings um, was uh, the minutes of each of those meetings were not being made available. Um, in one case, 94 days; the other case, 58 days. Um, and uh, the court, needless to say, uh, found that that uh, was not uh, was not promptly available. That promptly available means something that is immediate, uh, something that um, uh, should happen uh, with uh, without any delay, unless there are some extraordinary circumstances. Uh, suffice it to say that the that that the that the appellate uh, the appellate panel here uh, did not adopt the Matawan standard um, in terms of what does uh, uh, promptly available mean. Uh, but what they did say is that would depend on the unique circumstances of each case. What they also said is that um, uh, the board of trustees was not going to get a pass here simply because they met five times a year. And ultimately, the court said by way of dictum, and dictum means not the law of the case, but rather just an expression of opinion, that, they, they, that as far as they were concerned, if they had to change their schedule to meet 10 times a year in order to make their minutes promptly available, then so be it. But that they saw promptly available, available being something like 30 days uh, uh, at the outside after a meeting. Um, but what they fell short of in this case, Ray, was that the, uh, the trial court in this case actually issued an injunction uh, imposing an absolute requirement of the number of days that the minutes had to be issued, and the court rejected that. Uh, the court said that um, there should not be an injunction issued in this case, that uh, there will always be circumstances unique to a public body mm -hmm. that may result in them not being able uh, to, to issue those minutes within, say, uh, uh, within, say 30 days. Uh, so, uh, and they also felt that um, that doing that would require unnecessary involvement uh, of the courts in the operations of, uh, of public bodies and agencies. But um, they made it clear that uh, publishing uh, those minutes promptly is an absolute requirement, uh, shouldn't be viewed as an inconvenience by a public body, uh, and uh, that um, uh, our our boards of education are going to be expected. Um, uh, to publish those minutes um, promptly after each board meeting. Uh, I think most of the districts have been doing that within uh, uh, two weeks or so based on that uh, Matawan decision that was decided uh, uh, nearly 30 years ago. Uh, but this case gives us some further guidance, but uh, also uh, uh, also says that, uh, that boards of education are going to be held uh, to a standard where Anything that goes beyond uh, uh, a month's time, I think, is is going to be seen as a violation of the of the Open Public Meetings Act. So they have to, uh, and most boards do meet uh, more frequently than uh, the Kane University trustees. But uh, in fact, I think they all do that I know of. Uh, so you pretty much have to. Uh, I guess the only time would be the summer months where you might have a larger gap between their meetings. Would that be a problem? I think a lot of boards take off for the month of uh, take off for the month of July, but um, um, uh, and some take off for the month of August. But I think that um, I think the, the that uh, school districts are uh, boards of education and uh, business administrators. I think are really sensitive to that, and I think that they. Um, I'm not so much concerned about 
uh, about uh, making the minutes promptly available. I do not see that as as really being uh, and and uh, as really being uh, an issue for um, boards of education uh, generally. I do not see this case as really imposing a standard on them that uh, they haven't been adhering to anyway. You know there is. Uh, you know, there's that old saw that um, uh, you know hard fact that bad facts uh, uh, that that bad facts make bad law, and I think in this case, you know, the fact that they were only meeting five times a year and that there were such large gaps in between their meetings, I think, unfortunately, um, uh, led to the result that happened here. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I have another uh, question that came up. Uh, you kind of addressed it before. Uh, this is in the chat room. Uh, this person says, I was personalizing, I'm assuming they work in the business office or human resources, I was personalizing each of the rice notices that I was sending out. Uh, at least 125 notices were created for an upcoming meeting. Do I have to personalize the notices? Or can a generic notice be sent to uh, employees impacted? So I'm 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 curious as to what he, he or she means by personalizing by the personalized. notice. Are they telling the employee exactly what the uh, personnel action is that uh, that relates to that employee? And if that's, uh, if that's I, well, I'll, I'll ask L Council to uh, send me back that one because I didn't know if it meant just their name because their name would have to be. It means that they were explaining what they were discussing. So, so I think I first of all I think that. Um, Obviously, it has to be sent to the, to the individual. We cannot send, and I, and you know, we cannot send out a blanket rice notice to everybody um, uh, saying that uh, they may be on the agenda. I think <laughs> that the intent of the statute is to send a rice notice to Stephen Fogarty to me, telling me that there is a personnel matter that may affect me. Now, having said that, do I think that we need to include in that uh, notice uh, what the specific personnel action is? You know, is it a workshop? Is it tuition reimbursement? Uh, is it an FMLA leave? I do not believe that that's necessary. I believe that we can use a generic notice, which is what we have always done historically, regardless of what the matter was that was going to be discussed. And typically what we say is pretty much mirrors the statute, that the board uh, will be uh, considering uh, uh, a matter that concerns the terms and conditions of your employment. Now, I think, Ray, that some, some of the districts feel that that, when it gets back to something you asked me um, uh, a few moments ago about, uh, about serving people with rice notice and causing a degree of anxiety. So right. I think that there are some districts who feel like they want to tell the employee that this really is about uh, an FMLA leave, this is about tuition reimbursement, this is about a workshop, uh, so that that uh, anxiety will not be created and that the employee will realize that, that there's no need for them to waive their privacy rights. But I don't believe it's required, um, and I think that, you know, the, I, I think that this business administrator or any business administrator uh, really needs to decide whether they have the resources to do that and um, whether um, uh, they want to do that in order to, uh, in, in order to allay the concerns of the employee that's receiving the notice. But uh, there's nothing that requires that, in my opinion. Yes. All right. And uh, I'm just looking at another question that that came up at, at that. So, because it is time consuming, if you personalize it, each one for 125 or whatever it is, that that you, it goes back to your original thing of communicating with the the staff ahead of time, 
to tell well, them that I these notices the way, will be coming the way out. I would, handle and, it. I would handle it that way because, I mean, I just don't think that most school districts have the resources to personalize every one of those notices. Right. So uh, someone wanted to know, another person said, uh, so it can be a generic notice that is emailed to those employees, which is what I think you said generally has been a generic uh, yes. notice. Yes. But and we have generally sent that generic notices historically, regardless of the personnel matter that was going to be discussed in executive session. So just dialing this back, whenever we sent out rights notices for the purposes of having an executive, uh, a closed session discussion, we always sent out generic notices. I mean, the only reason to personalize it now, as far as I'm concerned, is really to kind of blunt the 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 um, uh, the effect of receiving a rice notice to to allay the concerns of the employee, um, but I think that um, particularly in large districts, you know, I, I think it's a luxury probably that we we can't afford. No, yeah, that would seem to be time consuming, uh, and it doesn't even need to be that large a district. I want to go back to a lot of this started uh, with a committee meeting, uh, a personnel committee meeting. Uh, is there any change in how a committee should be doing doing their business at this point, or that this is really just for the entire board? Um, I don't think there is. I, I, I don't think there is any change. And in fact, uh, uh, the court uh, in in Kane uh, uh, in Kane University was was quick to point out uh, that um, uh, that the committee structure, the personnel committee structure that they were using, that there was no legal impediment to that. I mean, they found uh, absolutely no fault. Um, with using a personnel committee for purposes of the president, in that case, making recommendations to the personnel committee, um, and no legal impediment to the personnel committee making their recommendations to the board. But what the court uh, obviously was saying is that those recommendations should be made to the board in executive session, and those affected by those recommendations should be given rice notice. Uh, boy, I tell you, this this topic is. Uh, lighting up the chat room, <laughs> which I think it's uh, probably happened at a lot of board meetings anyway. Uh, they're trying to decide how to, who they should notice and when they should notice people. Um, uh, they also want to know if staff members who are listed on the bill list for receiving funds to, um, to post action for travel, tuition, whatever they're receiving funds for reimbursement, does that need to be uh, rice too? And, and again, um, the the uh, the holding in the Kane case, the exact language of the court is that uh, rice notices must be provided in advance of any meeting at which a personnel decision may occur. I mean that uh, is 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 so far-reaching that right. um, it, it compels me to say that even for someone who's receiving financial reimbursement that they must be given a rice notice because even though the likelihood of a board member wanting to discuss that reimbursement is unlikely and even though it is unlikely to lead to an adverse employment decision arguably if you under under the court's rationale a board member may want to ask questions about the reimbursement which cannot happen in the public session because the employee mm -hmm. was not given the opportunity, because the employee hasn't waived his or her privacy rights. So, based on this, the language in this decision, the answer to 
uh, that inquiry is yes, they must be provided notice. I guess uh, what I think you used the word sea change. It was pretty much the same uh, uh, procedures for rice notice, and this is a sea change, and I think people are just grappling with it that it goes from a few people to almost every personnel decision or personnel move. It's not even a personnel move, I guess. It's kind of anything that is connected to pers- the personnel and your employees will probably have well, to there's be. There's no um, question. There's no question, in my opinion. This is the, this is a sea change. There's no question, and I think that and and I think that uh, boards of education, business administrators, are trying to find uh, ways of complying with the decision, but doing it in a way uh, that 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 is more efficient. And I think you know there there you know there are certain things that we can do by by transmitting notices telephonically uh, electronically, but um, there's there's really um, based on this decision, there's no way to avoid, in my opinion. Uh, the far-reaching requirements of this decision, which is, which is that notices be given for any personnel decision. Um, and someone's asking this question, but uh, someone asked me this once at one point too. Uh, Rice everyone <laughs> before a board meeting as a almost a matter of, but uh, practice. And my answer to that is no. Um, because no, okay. I think that 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 that, do, that doing that uh, uh, first 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 of all I think um, really does uh, uh, then um, uh, cause an unnecessary degree of anxiety, and I think um, you know I mean I mean would, would would you cover your bases by doing that? The answer is yes, because obviously then then any personnel decision uh, that may occur is going to be covered. But do we want to engage a practice where we're going to send out a rice notice to every employee in the district before every meeting? Um, I, I, I I fall short of, of recommending that. I don't think that's a good practice. All right. Uh, I just want to summarize some of the basic points that you seem to be making. I, I should uh, ask one thing. Uh, when should someone get a rice notice? Is there a time frame? Uh, I don't think we discussed that part. Is it? It's supposed to be timely, but what's that mean? It is, and so the the requirement is that that notice be given 48 hours uh, before the contemplated action, uh, before the board meeting, um, and uh, that has not changed. All right. Uh, so you're uh, in the beginning. Some of your recommendations, uh, they pro- a board and the administration probably would should sit with their uh, board attorney and uh, be discuss how they're going to move forward with this uh, as a matter of policy. Uh, would that be that should be something that they should discuss, right? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think that I, I I think that there are a number of things that 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 should be done. And so, you know, to summarize, I think that the employees that all of the employees should be told that um, uh, they may receive notices over the course of the year, which simply mean that there's which simply means that there's a personnel decision that may occur that involves them, uh, that they should not uh, 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 that they they should not be concerned about receiving those notices. I think there needs to be a discussion with the uh, uh, with the uh, local union presidents so that they can get the word out to their employee uh, to their membership as well. Uh, followed up by a letter to the employees explaining to them as to why this is happening because it's certainly a very different practice than has occurred before, and uh, also deciding um, by way of uh, uh, by way of uh, policy or regulation how the notices are going to be provided to the employees. 
All right. Uh, that's bringing us to the the end of the program. I'd like to thank Stephen Fogarty, who was uh, with Fogarty and Hara uh, in uh, Bergen County, but he does cover the entire state. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being with you, uh, Ray, this morning, and uh, great questions from uh, uh, from those who participated in this. Yes, and uh, as we said before, it is a siege. It's kind of it's a major change, some, and it happened very quickly. So it wasn't like something that you could almost plan for. I, I think the other lesson that, and I'll probably end on this, and you could agree, is that you need to look at all court rulings. Uh, sometimes we only look at things that affect boards of education, but as a public body, we follow the Open Public Meetings Act uh, uh, and other things. So it's important that boards and superintendents and everyone follow those other rulings. Yeah, absolutely, no question. I mean, any 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 uh, any of our uh, statutes that are being interpreted and applied to public bodies uh, have the potential of uh, of, of also. Um, being consequential for boards of education. So, yeah, there's no, there's, there's, there's no question. Uh, as I said, though, there, the petition for certification is pending before uh, the New Jersey Supreme Court, and because of all of the concerns that uh, we've expressed and that have been expressed uh, by those who've, uh, uh, who've called in here today, um, uh, I, I understand that the, the number of state organizations that have actually weighed in on the petition for certification um, is, uh, is, is substantial. Yes. So you can see that oh. uh, with those affected by this decision uh, is uh, pretty far-reaching. All right. Well, thanks, Steve, and uh, that brings us to the end of the, the program. Thanks. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Bye now.